For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Appreciate your streaming in bright and early with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Yeah, we got a weekend coming up. But before we do that, we got some actual legal action. Johnny Mac, some signings to talk about and rookie practice today. Today, the first day of gathering of the newest Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, rookie camp starts today at the Novacare Complex, the exhaustive two-day rookie camp uh i think they'll be on the field for 45 minutes maybe we'll we'll see afterwards will they be playing chess or checkers or hey you gotta be competitive you gotta be competitive shooting shooting hoops with the head coach there Um, you go and and knew something like that was gonna happen see if you can unearth what 
the off-field competition is for the Eagle rookies to be able to prove themselves to this coaching staff tomorrow because, like you said, about 45 minutes of action. In all seriousness, those guys, my, my advice to those guys is, you know, be on time, pay attention in the meetings because the meetings are the bigger part of it. You know, get to look at them on the field. We talk about it. You know, be be locked in when it comes to the meetings and stuff like that. Keep your phone in your back pocket. Don't be reaching for the phone while the coaches are talking to you. That's good advice right there from John McMullen for any of you rookies who have already found out about the importance of Birds 365 and are streaming it. What time are they going to get there? Do you know? Well, I'm sure they're already there. Yeah. Oh, you Early think days. they're already there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, what time? They... What time are they taking the field? Uh, 12, uh, one fifty-five. One fifty-five. So you you think the Eagles make meetings? Meetings are like I said. Meetings are a bigger part of the day than the on the field work. Uh, Just because you don't do that much on the field work, they do a lot of meetings though. Okay, so the (laughs) meetings are starting early. They may have already started at eight oh four a.m. I don't know about that. Uh, Oh, I guarantee you, Jalen's in at about six. Well, uh, we're talking rookies here. We're not talking Jalen. Oh, they're yeah. in. They want to get them in. Trust Jay- me. They want Jay- them in the building. Jalen is a different kind of beast than um, o- o- almost every other player on the planet, let alone rookie guys who are getting into their first Eagle official gathering. And yeah, Johnny Mack will run over to there and get a chance to see him. Don't know that anybody's going to flash anything because they're not going to get really much of a chance to do so, but... The bonding for the 2023 season uh, gets underway and begins today. And three of the individuals who will be there are officially under contract. The Eagles signed three of their rookies yesterday, starting at the top with Jalen Carter, and also signed their sixth and seventh round picks, uh, getting the deal done with Tanner McKee and Moro Ojomo. Um This used to be a big deal, John, when rookies signed before they put like slotting into the National Football League where there isn't much wiggle room on either side for the teams to deal with. Uh, the the contracts basically negotiate themselves. Uh, the biggest one, of course, is the Carter deal. He got almost $22 million over four years. His first year is going to count like four and change against the cap, which that's what you pay for the ninth overall pick in the draft. Uh, there is a little wiggle room, and he got, uh, I, I think I read... Uh, a little over $1 million over slot for four years, which means about $250, $250,000 each year. Uh, love to, to say how much the Eagles uh, thought of him and if he was going to fight. It's pretty much done ahead of time, is it not? Yeah, yeah. These We've talked about this a lot. What little wiggle room there is is typically offset language or, you know, interestingly, the second-round picks um, because his – you know, every year it seems like the agents want to go a little bit deeper when it comes to the guaranteed money for second-round picks. So sometimes you see those guys linger a little bit, but everybody comes in before the start of camp uh, because it's slotted, yeah. And it's um, – I think it's good because back in – as you mentioned, you and I have been around for a long time. Some of these things would be really acrimonious and oh, yeah. deep and – you know, if you're not in as a rookie, you're basically wiping out your rookie season. So I think this is a positive, the way it's shaped now. But, yeah, um, for people that haven't caught up and think it's a big deal, it's not a big deal. 
it's not a big deal. Not a big it, deal at all. It is a positive because, yeah, you get everybody done. You get the continuity. You get everybody in. You got nobody holding out in the camp. Uh, that was, yeah, for, for the people who've fallen in love with the National Football League in the last seven or eight years, you don't even know uh, what it's like with working, not coming into camp, daily reports, media leaks on both sides, who's uh, shortchanging, who's over-asking. And like, oh, it used to be a very big deal. It just isn't anymore because the NFL and, and with the consent of the Players Association, which I always think is great, John, the Players Association, negotiating for players who aren't players before they actually get into the national. Yeah. Wow. They dictate turns for the guys who are then going to be players for four or five years, depending on where they're drafted. And they always tell the young guys down the road when, when they're in the midst of a collective bargaining agreement, that's always a give zone. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll let you slot the players who are drafted. Why? Cause they're not members of the union. Yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you think about it, that's any union. If you join, you know, oh, if sure. you get a new job, you got to join. I mean, they already did it. They already knew it. So there's no, there's no wiggle room. So it's not rare, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I think Sam Bradford was the last yep. big bonus baby. Oh yeah. Number one overall pick. And there was, I got it from the veteran standpoint. It's like, why are you paying these young guys more than proven players? So I get it from their standpoint. They tried, they tried to do the best they could, shifting things a little bit. But there's always, you know, people like Howard Roseman and Jake Rosenberg and Bryce Johnson, and they always find, all right, where's the soft spot now? No matter what the rules are. So, but when it comes to, you know, the whole standpoint was veteran players and, you know, get more money to the veteran players, the proven players, all that kind of thing. And, and, you know, the unintended consequence is now that those mid range veterans, they got really difficult times, you know, getting deals, getting good deals, all one year deals, all proven deals. And I don't think anybody, there's always an unintended consequence. I think that was the sort of how things shook out that they weren't expecting. Johnny, if you can remember back to this day last year, first day of rookie mini mini camp, uh, we talked about get him in the building early, get him in the meetings, uh, just ingratiate him as as part of the team. The on-field stuff, calisthenics, are they actually going to teach guys specific things about the Eagles' overall scheme, be it on offense or defense? What do they actually try to accomplish day one of these this massive two-day rookie minicamp? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of throwing. So obviously it's more interesting with the, you know, the quarterbacks and the receivers and the backs and you know, some of the offensive linemen are working on, you know, little technique things. Obviously, there's no pads, they're in t-shirts and there's no contact whatsoever, but you know, it's like Johnny Manziel throwing over a broom. You know, you try to put somebody in front of somebody and try to teach them a little bit of technique. Same thing with the defensive line and same thing with the corners. You know, line up against the receiver. You know, you're supposed to be here, that kind of stuff. It's a foundation, you know, step number one. Um, and they want to get, you know, as much time it, it's changed a lot over the years it, it really has i mean they don't have a lot of time with these players and the eagles by their own accord use less time than they could use right. so um you gotta you gotta t- 
try to take advantage of every minute you're out there. Um, but with the Eagles, it's become more those meetings. I mean, it's become more, you know, that's where you teach it. That's, that's where it becomes more of a mental thing. Nick always talks about walkthroughs, walkthrough full speed, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it's worked for him to date. So it's hard to criticize him. But everybody else has got these same limitations as well. Again, the other teams, 30 of the 32 teams, for an example, are having mandatory minicamps. The Eagles are not. Uh, them in Cincinnati. So they do leave some time they do have on the table, which is interesting to me. I, it, it, it's interesting. Now, John, um, and again, very limited. It's not full-blown uh, <clears throat> scrimmages or anything. I, it's all broken down into little uh, tutorial in as per positions. Is it purely all rookies, or are there some guys who are practice squad guys who might they might have to come in just to, to balance out the roster? Because some teams have signed a heck of a lot more uh, undrafted free agents than others. I told you last week, I think I saw the Rams sign 24 guys, which – Man, that's a lot. Uh, so they they could go full twelve on twelve offense defense if it all matched up. You're not allowed. No team drills. Not allowed. Even if you could get a team together, um, but um, uh, rookies and first year players and tryout players. Um, that's it. Strictly, there's no. If yeah. you've been in the league, you're on a practice squad. You're you gotta, uh, no. not allowed on the premises. Well, it, it depends. If you have. Um, you're allowed on a lot of guys are working out. A lot of guys come in just to do strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. But um, as far as on the field today, just rookie and first year players. So remember, if you're if you're on the if you're haven't played, you, you can be out there. Um, if you have one year of bested service, you can't be out there. Uh, tryout players can be out there. Um, you know, and they'll have a bunch of tryout players. With that brings you, you, you know, last year I, I, I go down this route. I didn't even bother this year. I always go down this route. I because I try to get the tryout players. This, you know, and they're always like, no, well, we don't know yet. We don't. This is the day before. I said, hey, could you give us a heads up on who the tryout players are, just so I can do some research and stuff on you know who they are, what their, what their background is. It's like, we don't know yet. And I'm thinking to myself, 24 hours out, yeah. they don't know who's going to be. Mean? I'm thinking to myself, there's logistical issues here. You got to bring people in from all around the country. You got to get them. Like, don't give me that bull crap. <laughs> but I mean, that's the way this league, I bring this up. You know, I was what I got up this morning. The Colts have a uh, sort of, web series and they're doing in their draft room and Chris Ballard, they got a good clip up there. And Chris Ballard's like, don't talk about the quarterbacks. Don't talk about it with your friends, your buddies. My wife doesn't know shit. Don't talk about it. Don't talk. And I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, we're talking about two guys here, right? Richardson or Levis, yeah. basically. I mean, I guess at the end, some people thought, yeah, some people Stroud. thought Stroud could fall down. Some, so some people, three guys. Thought, yeah. So, at, you know, maybe over the past 10 days, you're talking about three guys. Um, these people are like CIA, and that's why I bring up the trial. Who cares? Just let us know who the stinking trial. They're all, they're all be in and out. Maybe you sign one of them. Who cares? But they care. 
It's top level, NASA level secrets that the Eagles and other teams, not just the Eagles, we're not just getting on the Eagles. A lot of teams. Oh, no, everybody football. else. Yeah, I'm not yeah. picking on them. Yeah. Everybody yeah, else does exactly it as well. Way. All right. One other thing before we punch up like the first guest. Looking forward <laughs> to talking to Ian and Cummings from Pro Football Network. Uh, draft analyst does a great job. Was on with us before the draft. We'll get his thoughts after the draft. Major sign, non rookie signing, John. Big signing for the Eagles <laughs> yesterday. Tight end Dan Arnold. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, Jody. He's the second best tight end the minute he walks in the building. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not he's saying it's a big deal. Most experienced tight end. No, I that said make him the second best tight end. I, I, I said second best for a reason. He is the second best experience. He is the second most experienced. You're correct, but he's the second best. I mean, he's better than Jack Stoll. He's better than Grant Calcaterra. Um, we'll see. I mean, he's 28 years old. He's a good receiver. He's a receiving guy. He's not a blocker. Um, you know, he came in, I think, you know, when he was a rookie, he was like six, he's like six, five, whatever, 225. He was really, you know, he's a glorified, you know, oversized receiver. Um, now he's about 240-ish. He could move a little bit. If you remember when he got traded to Jacksonville, uh, he, he had a nice little run. Um, Trevor Lawrence is sort of his security blankets, uh, you know, like a five, six game run. He, he, he can do some things in the passing game. I, I think it's an interesting yeah. signing. Sounds um, to me like you think he's a lock to make this team. Uh, unless he shows up and he's got nothing left and he's 28. I don't see why he's got nothing left. Um, uh, yeah, I think he's going to make the team. I think he's, I think he's better than what they have. I really do. Okay. Remember May, uh, May 1st, May 2nd, whatever it was, uh, uh, was the cutoff of, um, guys counting towards potential compensatory picks. So you saw this wave around, not just the Eagles, this sort of mini wave of veteran players signing deals because guys aren't concerned about compensatory picks down the road. Right. He's in that category. So he's, he's more than, um, I, I mean, I'm not going to overstate it. He's, he's more than just nothing that you bring in from competition. He's, he's a legitimate player. Uh, the Eagles now have eight, eight, count them, eight tight ends on the roster. If you uh, count in the undrafted free agent that they signed, <clears throat> they're going to keep four, three on the, and, and it's not a given it's three. They had three for, uh, the great majority of the year last year and one on the practice squad. So there are four guys who are not going to be here afterwards. Yeah, I'll go ahead and predict that Dan. Uh, Arnold is not one of them. Um, I think it's it's good for competition. I think you bring him in and you let him show you what he can show you. I think he's one of those guys who, because he had some good games against the Eagles, the Eagles are more interested in him than other teams. Nine catches last year. Uh, and, and he was their starting tight end from the previous year. They felt so good about him. They went out and got Ingram from the Giants to replace him as their starting tight end. Uh, I'm, I'm not knocking the signing, but if you're looking for a prediction on the signing, I don't think he's going to be a Philadelphia Eagle at the start of the 2023 season. But that's what the coach likes, Nick Sirianni, competition. Let him come in and compete 
and uh, Arnold certainly will be given a chance to do just that. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald's. It's Mac and Mac Birds 365. Last day of recapping the draft. Next week, we'll be talking more about Thursday and the schedule that's coming out for the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh, by the way, something we won't have to discuss this year. Well, no, I shouldn't say this because we talk about it before the season starts as to ooh, how tough a schedule is or isn't. And then they start actually playing the games. And then you see the game that you thought was going to be a tough game. Oh, no, the Eagles are going to be double-digit favorites in that one. Or a game that you thought, that's a cakewalk. Uh-oh, they're playing pretty well. We might just so it, it does change on the fly. But during the offseason, yeah, we can uh, evaluate the toughness or the easiness of the Eagles' schedule. Last year, it worked out in the Eagles' favor. They did not have, in comparison to other NFL teams, a killer schedule on paper. Oh, the Eagles are going to have a much tougher schedule this year than they did last year. And the, the conversation on that will begin next week with the release on Thursday. But we're still in wrapping up the draft mode. So Ian Cummings from NFL uh, Pro Football Network is going to join us next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
You got the Mac and Mac guy, John McMullen and Jordan McDonald here hanging with you on Birds 365. And we got one of the best draft analysts around. He does his insightful work for Pro Football Network. Ian Cummings joins us here on Birds 365. L-O-I-C, uh, you take a deep breath since this draft is come and gone? I have a few deep breaths. I need a few more, but so we're, uh, we're getting there for you sure. You got to get on 2024, Ian. I know that's what I was doing this morning. Actually, I felt bad. I was I was a couple minutes late. I was watching Dallas Turner from Alabama, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I got I got to go get on J- Jacob Sports." So hey, I mean, yeah, the the process never ends. The grind never stops. But all um, right, give us give us the scouting report on Dallas Turner. Since I could, uh, he's an SEC it? player, <laughs> Alabama or Georgia. That means he could end up as an Eagle because they got enough of those guys to beat those two teams. So give us the Dallas Turner scouting report. Oh yeah, I mean six four, two forty five. I think his arms are near thirty four inches, right? So he's got that length. Too, but I mean the explosiveness, the bend that this dude has is insane. I mean he's very quick off the line. He can bend around the arc. He's got the ankle flexion too, but he's got a pretty good power profile as well. It doesn't. It kind of shocks you because he's only two forty five. He's a little lean, but when he leverages his hips and kind of fully extends, he can knock guys off their center of gravity. Man, I'm a big fan of the tools. He's got to you know I want to see him keep growing in the hand usage aspect, but all of the physical traits are there for him to be an early first round pick. Boy, we can get Hassan Reddick, uh, Nolan Smith, and boom, boom, boom. Uh, who knows, but, uh, yeah, too early for, we won't hit you up with too much 2024 yet. So we'll start with 2023 and, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of flowers given out to Howie Roseman. Um, what were your thoughts on the Eagles, their process, uh, getting two talented Georgia players in, in the first round? Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I think especially, you know, we talked before the draft targeting the defensive line, both defensive tackle and edge. Those are kind of two of the biggest needs in the long term for them. So getting Jalen Carter alongside Jordan Davis, right? We talked about Carter too, you know, the the character concerns, right? The off the field concerns that were kind of hovering over him. I think getting him in a proper supporting cast, you know, especially Georgia teammates to kind of help him guide him along too, could be a very good environment for him. So I was a big fan of that fit at three tech as well. Then Nolan Smith as well. You know, I think a lot of the similarities that he shares with Hassan Reddick, the explosiveness, the bend, but he's also a phenomenal run defender on day one, too. So, you know, that was a good pick, I think. And then, you know, later later on the board, there were some other very good picks for them as well. Moro Ajomo in round seven, man. I mean, I, I think I talked to you guys about him a couple times, but I did not expect him to be there. You know, again, I think he strengthens your defensive line rotation. 6'3", 292, 34 and a half inch arms, explosive athlete, too. So, you know, I think getting those guys, you know, getting that value at the defensive line, very, very good thing for the Eagles. So I think that was fun. And then Keely Ringo uh, early in round four, too. You know, I think that value deal as well. You know, his size-speed combination for me, you know, getting him in that room behind Darius Slay and James Bradbury, right? You know, they're not going to be long for the Eagles. They're still there until 2025, I think. But, um, you know, again, you know, you're getting a guy with very, very plus physical traits in that room to learn behind veterans. I think that's a very solid move for them. And then Tyler Steen as well. I forgot about him. But on day two, I think he pro- projects very well to guard, which is where they're going to play him. You know, he's got the core strength. He's got the athleticism, too. You know, he's very well leveraged for his size. Uh, and he's got the torque, the finishing torque to power through blocks and kind of pave open lanes. So, you know, I think he's, you know, landing with the Eagles with their coaching staff on the offensive line. Very excited to see what they can do with him. Overall, I think it was a really good class. I think especially early on, they got the value. But later on, too, I think he really took advantage of some of the some of the uh, high value deals that were there. All right. So you're going to have to play guess along with us because John and I have been speculating all the guests we got on this week. Almost every single player the Eagles drafted, depending on whether you looked at Ian Cummings' entire listing of all the players of Rick Sarah, tell all the draft guys, they seem to get value with every single pick. That almost every single player was 
quote unquote, expected to go higher than where they went. How does something like that happen? Does Howie Roseman have a magic wand that he gets these guys to drop? And the rest of the National Football League just falling behind and paying attention? Is he just smarter than everybody else? How do you go like seven for seven and guys drafted lower than what they were expected and then can put on an Eagle jersey? Yeah, I mean, maybe he does have a magic wand. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to you know, kind of do an audit there. But no, I think, um, you know, especially after round one, the variance from board to board across all 32 teams increases exponentially, right? So, you know, we all have our media boards and we try to do our best to convey to the public, you know, who you can expect to go where, right? But media boards are imperfect. Media analysis isn't perfect, right? You know, the teams have more information to go off of. The teams have very specific preferences that they operate with, and it's different for every single organization. So, you know, the fact of the matter is sometimes guys just fall because of that, right? How the board stacks for teams with their different preferences, their different experiences and perspectives. You know, I think that variance is always so fun to watch because like, you know, prospects like Brenton Strange going to the Jacksonville Jaguars on day two or Juice Scruggs going to the Texans, right? We didn't expect that, you know, but hey, you look at it and you can kind of look at the traits and you can see you're, you're like, okay, I can kind of understand the reasoning for why they went that high. But just picks like that kind of throw a wrench into the process, increase the variability. And on day three, it's even greater because like you go to round six or round seven, some teams might have guys that they still had day two grades on that are still available, right? So the variability, the variance, you know, across all 32 teams is just so difficult to account for from a media perspective. And I think that's why some guys fall. You know, maybe the Eagles, it looked good for them, but maybe another team that kind of maybe reached in the eyes of the public is still very happy with their picks. So, you know, that variance, I think, is ultimately the main factor. Yeah. Brad, ask Brad Holmes, Jody. He's happy with his picks. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people question what he did. I want to ask you about Brad, but before – I get to him. Um, one guy you didn't mention was Sidney Brown. And from my perspective, um, you know, because the Eagles have such impressive depth on the defensive line, I expect Jalen Carter to get on the field, you know, but it might, he doesn't need to get on the field because the Eagles have so much depth. Nolan Smith, even more so. Tyler Steen, um, players like that have chances to play, but they don't need to play. I think Sidney Brown needs to play right away. And it's interesting the pick from my perspective because he played mostly in the box near the line of scrimmage. And the Eagles kept talking about post safety. So it's clearly a, a projection. Do you project him to have that ability to play that post safety position in the Big Bangio type defenses around the NFL? I think you could. I think he has the speed and explosiveness to do him to do it. I would rather play him in the box a little more often just because we've seen it succeed. We've seen that he's very, very effective there with his closing speed, with his physicality, his ability to process route patterns, you know, in the short and intermediate ranges. I think that's something that he does very, very well. So I wouldn't want to take him away from that full time. But I do think he has the projected versatility, the fluidity and smoothness and coverage. You know, as you mentioned, I think the, the speed explosiveness for his size, the range, the physicality at the catch point. Right. You know, I think he's a little undersized. Right. Which is the big the one big thing for me. You know, it doesn't have quite the catch radius that you'd want the range to kind of reach over guys in that phase. But he does have the speed and explosiveness. The athleticism is there. The instincts are there. You know, I think from that lens, you can look at it and say, yeah, we can move him back there. It's just he's so good in the box. He's such an enforcer coming downhill. You know, I wouldn't want to take him from that full time either. So I think ultimately, you know, you look at that. 
you know, try and just, I think they take solace in just knowing that you can move him around. You know, you can move him around wherever you need him to go. Um, I wouldn't want to take him out of the box full time, but I do think there is some projectability there. All right. Uh, the Eagles are going to have their first rookie camp today. And we know the individuals that were drafted who are coming in. And there have been some reports about the undrafted free agents that they've already signed. And then there'll be a bunch of tryout guys um, for those who didn't get drafted. For those who have to come in and sing for their supper and make the roster in this two-day little open window that some teams have, how much pressure is on these young men? Because, yeah, this is their NFL dream. And I'm sure there's a couple of guys you would know more than me who didn't, wasn't on a roster year one, got that tryout year two or maybe even year three. Shoot, now we got USFL and XFL for guys mm-hmm. to at least keep playing football and the like. How much pressure is there going to be on some of these kids? A lot of pressure. Yeah, for sure. A lot of pressure. I think, you know, it's it's different for the guys that have already signed contracts in the undrafted pool. You know, the tryouts that are invited, it's mainly on them. You know, if you're an undrafted free agent, a lot of these contracts are guaranteed, you know, even though they 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 vary greatly in their range. You know, some guys sign for over 200,000. You know, I think the top one this cycle was 300,000, but then others, it's as little as 10,000. So, you know, that range is very vast for UGFAs who do sign contracts for the guys that don't, right? You know, you get one audition really to kind of prove that, you know, hey, I'm worth sticking around. Now, you mentioned the XFL, you know, that is a buffer for you where you can keep playing football. And I'm glad that that's in place because we're seeing some XFL guys this cycle get opportunities like Jack Cohn, I think, got an invite to the Jets camp. I think Freedom Akin Moladun uh, got an invite to the Dolphins camp. So, you know, XFL players, if that's another avenue for you to distinguish yourself. But, you know, it is a lot of pressure because it's a very small window for you to make an impression. And there's a lot of guys gunning for the same spots, right? So it's going to be tough, right? You know, for any UDFAs out there, I mean, it's just important to know that it's not it's not necessarily the end of the line. There are other options later on, like the XFL, where you can keep you know, putting reps on film. And, you know, maybe if you, if you make some good plays, teams will keep their eyes on you. All righty, and I want you to put on your GM hat here, which is a little bit different than a scouting hat because I think more comes into it. And, and I pointed to Detroit and, and Brad Holmes. Um, he might have gotten two great players in the first round of the draft, and maybe that's where it ends for you with uh, Jamir Gibbs at number 12, Jack Campbell at number 18. But, boy, running back and all-ball linebacker with top 20 picks – do you factor that into your analysis, the value of, of, of where you are and, and versus what you could have if you manipulate the board a little bit more as a, as a GM? I think it does factor in. You know, I think there's a lot of factors. And again, it's different for every team because every team has different needs, you know, to go off of, right? Like the, the Lions, their roster is looking better, right? I would have considered a cornerback in round one. You know, I do think Deontay Banks would have been a great pick at 18, right? But you know, you are looking at a roster that is a lot better. You know, you've got your quarterback, you've got oh, your yeah. wide receiving talent, you, you've got offensive line talent for sure. You know, you've got, you know, kind of an ascending defensive roster. So I think, you know, running back, especially with the writing was on the wall for DeAndre Swift, they clearly wanted, you know, I think both parties wanted to go in a different direction there. So getting another versatile weapon at running back as well, you know, I think that was a big need for them. And then linebacker as well. You know, I, I know, you know, being a, a guy who has lived in Michigan for so many years and you know, watching the lines growing up, linebacker has not been a position of civility for them. So getting a guy like Jack Campbell, who's six five, you know, as athletic and instinctive as he is, you know, I can see that too, you know, but I do think 
you know, you do have to play the board a little bit. I think it just depends on, you know, you, what you as a team, what your view of your needs are, you know, what your view of risk aversion is, right? I think that all factors in. I can see the vision for it. You know, I think it was a reach for both those guys a little bit, but, you know, I do think Gibbs especially, you know, he's not just a running back. He's a weapon. You know, he can slot out wide. He can run routes out of the slot too. So I think for Ben Johnson, that creative offense, offensive mind i think that's very valuable and then jack campbell yeah he's a linebacker but he's also a guy who's going to have the green dot from day one he's going to be a phenomenal locker room addition to a guy who can set the culture for you uh, so i think looking at that aspect of it you know i can see the reasoning for it and to the to the credit of the lines i think they made up for it a lot by getting brian branch in round two i think that was a phenomenal value deal but um you know i just think there's so many factors again you know, even the positional value that weighs a lot but there's also cultural impact. There's also, you know, the versatility with like with Gibbs. And I think those two things in particular, they can really sway your board. Coming up next week, Ian, the NFL is going to release its schedule. And we know for a fact the Eagles <laughs> are going to play the Giants twice, maybe even three times like they played them this year and beat them all three times. Sorry about that, Giant fans streaming in here to Birds 365. Um I think the Giants actually had a sneaky good draft. Uh, the Eagles had the best draft in the division. They were the best team and they had the best draft. But I think the Giants at least kept pace. Right? The, the the football team, the commanders, call them whatever you want, not so much. And I don't think the Cowboys did all that much to help themselves. Uh, quickly, if you want to go through them, but most importantly for me, the Giants. Giants' second best draft in the division behind the Eagles. Is it close or how do you rate all three of the NFC East drafts other than the, the birds? Yeah, so I probably would have had it Eagles, Giants, Commanders, Cowboys. And I think, you know, it's subject to change, right? As a media analyst, I want to reiterate, you know, we we don't know how these picks are going to pan out. We really don't. You know, we got to give it the time. And there's some classes in the past that looked kind of iffy on the surface, but really aged well over time. So the Cowboys class could be like that. You know, I think Mozzie Smith adds something very valuable to that defensive line. They got some nice depth pieces on, on day three. I think Washington, the big thing for me is Emmanuel Forbes was not quite the best corner on my board at that point but he's a playmaker through and through Jartavius Martin, very versatile slot defender too. So, you know, they got some edge depth as well. They got very good offensive linemen and Ricky Stromberg. Uh, but the Giants, I think, did have the second best class. I mean, Deontay Banks, for me, was a phenomenal value deal for a team that needed some athleticism, some physicality at corner. They really got it. You get a day one starter in John Michael Schmitz at center. You get Jalen Hyatt, a speed threat, who can really open up possibilities for that offense. And then on day three, too, you know, Eric Ray, I think, especially with Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag, I think, you know, getting Eric Ray as a depth running back, he's very, very prolific with his vision, his lateral agility. I think he could, could go on to be a very valuable rotational running back. Trey Hawkins, the third from Old Dominion, was one of my favorite sleepers at CB in the class. Another very physical guy, you know, long, athletic, very, very good agility and explosiveness, too. But he's got the ball skills to make plays at the catch point. Um, and then even after that, Gervarius Owens, depth at safety. You know, Jordan Riley can be a, a you know rotational piece on the defensive line. He's got the size to play nose tackle too. So you know, I think the Giants hit it pretty well in terms of the value board all across the board, but especially those first three picks. I think those guys are difference makers from day one. Yeah, and you talk about fit, Ian. I mean, I was thinking like best fit for the like Deontay Banks to me is a Wink Martindale guy. Oh I yeah, mean, that sure. is that is like the best fit in the first round. If you just talk about fit, that guy fits what they want to do. Whereas if he came here and it's all quarters coverage, I go, eh, I don't, I don't know, I I don't know. So fit, fit is a big thing, but. Um, all right, I want to go negative here. That's what we do in the media. We we get yelled at for it. Who 
give me a team or two that you didn't like in the draft uh, around the NFL, at least as much as the others. Hmm. It's tough, man, because I can see reasoning for most of them. Yeah, and I, I sit on the fence all the time. I'm way too diplomatic as a draft <laughs> analyst. I've kind of accepted it. That's my role here. One team, one team I didn't really like, and it's for one reason: the 49ers drafting a kicker. Well, they they, they didn't they didn't pick till the third round. Yeah, I know. But I but like. I get you with the kicker. Yeah. yeah well. There's still so much talent left on the board at that point. That's the thing for me, right? You know, like anytime you draft a kicker that early, you know, it's such a volatile position from year to year. Like a guy might be an all pro one year and the next year, you know, kind of gets a case of the yips and then his job might be on the line, right? You miss a couple extra points in a row. So it's such a volatile position for me. You know, even if your roster is fairly solid across the board, just, you know, taking that luxury that early for me was a little iffy. Um, you know, there weren't too many classes that I, it was more just individual picks. Like maybe yeah. it's a little too All right, high. Give me for a couple guy. picks you you didn't like. Stetson Bennett first. for the Rams was one. I think round four was a little too early for him. You know, I would consider him draftable. Right, he's athletic. He's a tough competitor. He was very productive at Georgia, but I just think you know the arm talent is kind of middling for him too. And I think the processing isn't quite where you want it to be. So you know, he was more of a guy who you know I would have preferred round six or round seven, solid backup candidate. But again. Round four, there's still a lot of talent available on the board uh, at other positions of need, and the Rams roster is very, very thin across the board. So I would have probably used it on another talent at that point. Um, and then, I don't know, Brenton Strange was a little bit of a reach for me for the Jaguars on day two, but again, I can see it, right? You know, Evan Ingram might not be a long-term, you know, maintain, maintenance for you. I think um, he's got talent for sure, run after catchability, but just little reaches like that. And again, you know, we could look back in two to three years and they pan out. So, you know, overall, you know, there weren't too many drafts that I couldn't get behind. I think this class in particular was very deep and that allowed teams to kind of capitalize later on. All right. Uh, and about the Rams and Stetson Bennett, I kind of like the guy. He's a winner. Mm-hmm. I would have said fifth rather than fourth. But yeah. we're, are we splitting hairs here? Maybe. If he's their backup quarterback, doesn't matter. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Do they have another quarterback on their roster? Or are Stafford and he the only two guys the 49ers, I think, have five veteran quarterbacks, if you consider Brock Purdy a veteran. <laughs> They're just collecting. Second year collecting they just keep adding guys. Meanwhile, out there in the NFC, well, I don't think the Rams have another quarterback. Are they almost putting too much pressure on the, the championship quarterback from Georgia, who I'm shocked didn't end up with the Eagles uh, because they get everybody else from Georgia. Why not the quarterback? Uh, is it, are they putting him in an untenuous situation that Stetson Bennett could have to step in and play serious time for the Rams next year if Stafford goes down again? I don't think they're putting too much pressure on him because he is a day three pick, right? You know, I think it's tough because this class, especially in round four, there was so much talent left on the board for me that I would have, I would have rather, especially for the Rams. I mean, I think you can upgrade edge, interior, defensive line, linebacker, corner. I mean, a lot of positions are in dire straits for the Rams. So, you know, it's not a, a pick I would have made that early. I think there were some guys available in round seven you know, that might have been able to suffice, right? But, you know, yeah, he could play. You look at Stafford, who's aging. He's been injured in recent years, too. Um, yeah. I think Stetson Bennett could be thrust into a situation where he's starting. And I think that, you know, it could be a little hairy. One thing that Ooh, I do like about yeah. Bennett, though, is that, you know, he is very athletic. I mean, you look at him work the pocket. He can evade rushers. He can extend plays. You know, I think that aspect of his game is very strong. And then he has shown at least that he can work in rhythm. He can operate in structure. You know, I think that will allow him to keep the team afloat. Is he going to be anything in the long-term future of the Rams? Right, I don't think he's more than a backup, but I do think you mentioned he's a winner. He's a gamer. He's got competitive toughness. He's very athletic. Those are traits that I do look for in backups. You know, at the very least, I want you to be able to come in and keep the engine churning, and I think he can do that. 
Uh, by the way, Jody, to answer your question, they just signed Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon. How did yeah. I miss that key yeah. signing? Um, and Ian can tell you about Dresser Wynn. They signed him as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. I can't give you any who's, information. Who's Dresser Wynn, Ian? I'll uh, be honest. He felt he he kind of fell beyond my my jurisdiction. Okay. Cycle. Yeah. Okay. Even Ian doesn't know. Hey, so if, if Ian gonna... doesn't know, yeah, that means the guy was hanging out on Santa Monica Boulevard last <laughs> week. And I said, "Hey, we need somebody else to throw the yeah. football around. Come in this week for our rookie practices." By the way, uh, some um, one quarterback uh, Ian will know is Tanner McKee. So that was you know one of one of the ones I think. You know the quarterback factory, the Eagles. They get joked about that for a long time but uh you know it, it, they brought in Marcus Mariota to back up Jalen Hurts and a lot of people put you know said at least he he can do some of the same things obviously not as well as Jalen Hurts but you can run the same offense and that was the thought process there even Ian Book um has some of those movement skills from uh we saw it his days at Notre Dame Tanner McKee, the exact opposite. I mean, 6'6", you know, Mike Glennon-like in the pocket. That's kind of a weird fit, don't you think? Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, you, you mentioned it too. Quarterback is a numbers game, right? If you only have two, then I can kind of I can kind of understand picking a guy on day three. But they already had three guys, Marcus Mariota and Ian Books. So, you know, I would have probably stood pat with those three and, and picked another talented player at a skill position at that point. Now, again, I think at round six, right? So the yeah. opportunity cost is not too low if you go elsewhere. But, you know, again, I just think there was still a lot of talent left on the board, a very deep class. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have taken a quarterback there. I will say McKee, you know, while he does kind of fit that archetype, he's that pocket passer. He's not going to move around a ton. He does have one of the strongest arms in the class. He legitimately can generate very good velocity. Um, he can hit those short and intermediate routes, you know, with a lot of pace too. So I think, you know, that aspect of his game is solid. I think getting him out of that Stanford long mesh offense will be very good for him because that didn't always do the best things for, you know, his processing experience, right? Kind of honing that part of his game. But he's got arm talent. You know, he's a good leader, good character from all counts. So I think, you know, he's a good addition to the QB room. It's just if you already have three, if you already have a solid backup in Mariota, who's got star experience and mobility, you know, I'm not sure how much of a need it is. You still like Ian Book, huh? I I don't. I mean, I, I listen as an Ian. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta cape for the Ian. Oh, no, but I, right he's got my head. I forgot about. Hey, I love the Jets first round draft pick because its last name's McDonald. So I'll cut you any <laughs> Ian slack you need cut. Yes, sir. No, but I think uh, you know he's mobile. At least again, you know, I, ideally you don't have to play him at all. But if he's your QB three, if he's got ideally. experience in the offense, <laughs> yeah, like I I, yeah. I can I can at least see keeping him there. You're right. So yeah. it's one of those things. Let me run this by both of you two guys as a potential line of thinking for the Eagles. And John would know better because he's got sources on the Eagles. I just sit back and analyze. Maybe their thinking was rather than we'll get, if you got the backup, who's the same as your guy, you're going to plug him in, but you're thinking long-term. We want the opposite of the quarterback that we have. Not the same. We want the opposite because yeah, we can prep. We can get ready. We can get our guys up to speed. Hey, when we change this position, the offense changes and your responsibility changes. We want you up to speed to be able to play these both different ways. And oh, by the way, let the defense figure it out. That they're prepping all week for Jalen Hurts and the way he plays. And hey, we got to watch the run and the RPOs. Uh-oh, they're bringing in this other quarterback. And the Eagle offense changes on the fly. Defense might not be ready for that. Any chance that's their line of thinking as to why they took a standstill quarterback? 
Uh, it could be. I mean, I think it's, I think one, I think it's a little difficult to make those infrastructure changes from week to week if you need to, right? You know, I would rather have a guy who has similar tools so that you don't have to make those changes because that's more on your plate in, in mid season when there's already a lot on your plate, right? I'd, I'd rather have a guy who has similar yeah. tools so you can kind of keep it, keep it flowing without too much, um, you know, obstruction there. So I yeah, mean, again, it might help yeah. on the scout team, I guess, if, if yeah. you know, you're playing a pocket passer on a particular week to have a legitimate pocket passer but uh yeah i i, I mean not I think by my we're smarter than the no other but i will say nick sirianni loves philip rivers i i said oh, loves him and you know he is you know very competent in working with a quarterback like that i think he's just trying to find a good quarterback and trying to develop him and you know, he sees some traits in, in, in the kid he likes, and he's not yeah. fearful of changing his offense because he's done it so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, Phillip Rivers to Jalen Hurts, that's pretty that's <laughs> a pretty drastic change. So I think he's kind of comfortable with it. Um, uh, make sure you follow Ian Cummings at IC underscore draft. You see there, last one for me, and we'll go. We started with 2024. I'll go back to 2024. We've seen this in the past um, with quarterbacks. I mean, there's a lot of hype early for Sam Howell. Um, didn't end up that way. Uh, the Clemson kid I loved. Boy, I screwed up on that one. Uh, Spencer Rattler, he was everything until Caleb Williams came in. Any chance, Williams, you know what's the bed? It isn't at the top of next year's draft. We've seen it happen so many times but he seems to be a higher level prospect. Yeah. You know, there's always a chance, you know, I never want to say a hundred percent. This guy's Especially number with one. Lincoln Riley, by the way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there's so much volatility from year to year. It's tough. You know, I never want to lock that in. I will say one thing that I look for, you know, cause you it's dangerous, you know, anointing quarterbacks too early. So one thing I look for to separate them this early on is the physical tools. Like, do they at least have the physical tools to be considered in that top five range? Because that, that's a range that's really, you know, only reserved for guys who have that franchise level ability. And he definitely has the tools, right? He's a very good athlete, very good creator. The arm elasticity for him is just absurd. Working off platform, but generating generating velocity too. Very good competitive toughness, right? So, you know, I think he checks all those boxes. And then Drake May too from North Carolina, 6'4", 220, very easy arm talent. Again, he's got a really quick release, but really good velocity on his throws. So he can mix pace and touch, but a very good athlete too. So, you know, I look for the physical tools at first. To, to for me to say like all right like this guy's not locked into the number one spot but i can actually see an argument for him you know if we were projecting ahead ideally you're not making that big of a leap but people want to read 2024 yeah, mock drafts yeah, you know they, they yeah. want that content right when you switch over so you know you need to at least be able to project and looking at those guys i think they do have the tools to do it again you never want to commit to anything you never want to leap to hyperbole but there is a reason to look ahead and say like if one guy was going to go that high it would be him and I agree with uh, your read on the draft. This past year, it was going to be uh, Young and Stroud, one-two. What happened? It was Young and Stroud, one-two. Two mm-hmm. years before, it was going to be Trevor Lawrence, number one. Guess what? Trevor Lawrence went number one. So the the outlier is that middle Sam Howell, Spencer Rattley year, when you really didn't have any quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett's the first pick in the, the mid-first round, mm-hmm. and then you drop off to the third round. So it wasn't the projection it was the fact that it just wasn't that good a class so people were reaching oh you're not reaching for either williams or may they're both legit I, i'll go on record right now 360 days in advance and 355 whatever 
yeah, they'll be the first two players off the board taking this upcoming year. All right, last thing, Ian. Um, the draft is great, and we all just uh, t- turn off the rest of our lives. For our, you, 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 you're, you're leading up the entire year to those three days. Is there a letdown afterwards for not only a guy like you, who this is your livelihood, but for McMullen and McDonald, an Eagle fan, every other fan out there, when the draft is over and done with, you get to analyze and, and break it apart, rang and everything. But then it's over and it's done with. And we now got to wait a year, two years, three years, four years to actually go, yeah, we were right about that. What a draft. Holy mackerel, did we miss the boat on that one. <laughs> we looked great on paper and it didn't uh, uh, appear on the field. How long do you have to wait before you, in your mind, can legitimately say, yeah, that was a great draft, or oh my God, that was a god-awful draft. What's the number? Can you do it after one year, two? Do you want to go all the way to five? How, how do you put a time frame on when it is legitimately time to go back in 2020 hindsight and say, hell of a draft or god-awful draft? Yeah, I mean, the key is being patient, right? You know, like, if you want to take a victory lap, then by all means, if it's looking that way after round one, after, after year one, go ahead. But me, personally, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like taking victory laps, right? Because you never know. You never know how it's going to pan out. Even after one year or two years, it might be trending a certain way. But um, I do think, you know, if you really want a concrete answer, I'd say two or three years is probably when you kind of know how the draft is panning out. But then even then, I mean, Geno Smith, when he got drafted by the Jets, yeah, we all thought he was a bust for forever. Yeah. And then he became a pro bowler with the Seahawks. So, I mean, again, it's one of those things where, you know, it really takes a long time. Every developmental track is different. Um, I would say two to three years is probably the minimum for me. After one year, you know, you kind of get the initial implications, right? But there's still... There's still room for guys to keep growing. You know, guys are maturing at different paces, right? So, you know, I think it's there's so much variability that I want to wait a little bit longer, two to three years. Once you get to that point, then go ahead and take a victory lap. But, you know, I think beyond, before that, you know, it's a little too early just because it, it does take time for things to settle differently for players. All right, I'll give you a chance since you brought up his name. The NFC quarterbacks, probably Rodgers going to the AFC, Carr coming to the NFC. At best, they're even. It's not like they added a major player. Geno Smith going to make a Pro Bowl again this year? And I'm not talking about Impossible. the after the fact, <laughs> the, the the ninth quarterback name yeah. for the NFC Pro Bowl because the first five have dodged and or in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts will be in that category. Um, is he going to be one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFC again this year? Yeah, and I will. I will say the Pro Bowl is not the best indicator. Like I, no, I should have just said, I mean, he he was yeah. very productive last. But he year. was a Pro Bowl player. You're right. Yeah, but Tyler Huntley was too. So it's yeah, like again, true. like <laughs> it's, it's not a great. It's not a great indicator one to one. It's more you know, Gino was productive last year. He was very efficient last year, and I think he's got a good offensive line. He's got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I think it's a perfect fit in the slot in that offense. I think he's got the firepower to do it, the blocking. I think the one thing is just, you know, it, are we going to see a regression from him? Because he was very good, yeah. but he was he was better earlier last year. He started to fall, fall off a little bit down the stretch, so I'm curious if we're going to see a regression. I think he's got the athleticism, the processing, the accuracy to be very good, but, you know, hopefully he doesn't fall off the cliff because I think it's been a very good kind of redemption story in the NFL. Yeah. All right, since you went to the Seahawks now, we're keeping Ian here. <laughs> he just keeps giving me sure. all the questions I want to yeah. ask. Zach Charbonnet was one of my favorite players coming to the draft. I thought that he was a perfect fit for the Eagles if there had been a possibility they could move up in the second round. Knew they weren't going to use either of their firsts on him. Knew they'd never get him with the third, so I had to be the second, and they were drafting late in the second. And, of course, he goes mid-second to Seattle. They've already got Walker there. Charbonnet in Seattle, I just I, – I didn't see it unless they think these two very young guys are going to be a great combination – 
How do you think they're going to use Charbonnet in Seattle? Yeah, I think you're looking at a guy who's a little more of an early down runner, which is kind of interesting because <laughs> I think Walker, you know, was kind of trending up towards having that volume last year. But I think Charbonnet, yeah, around six foot, you know, 220 range again. So he's, he's got the mass for sure. He's got the density. He's a hard charging runner in open field. You know, not the most flexible guy. I think he can be a little stiff in the hips sometimes. But again, he's got foot speed, physicality, contact balance for sure. Explosiveness up the field too. So you know, I think he's that early down guy, you know, maybe in goal line situations too. He's got a little more mass to plow through than Walker does. Um, but I think you kind of mix and match, you know, you can kind of ride the hot hand for sure. And I thought it was, you know, I, I wasn't expecting them to pick a running back, but I do yeah, think was I. the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't think anybody was. Everybody knocked him for that, but I like the Seahawks draft. I mean, you need a, a stable of running backs nowadays. Yeah. So you need multiple yeah. guys. And I think especially, you know, for the Seahawks, they've they've proven in the past. I mean, they kind of did with Walker when they still had Rashad Penny. Like if there's a good running back that we'd like, we're going to take him. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, getting Charbonnet and Walker. And, and at number yeah. 52, I don't have a problem with it. If we were, you know, 30s, I'd have a problem with it. But uh, I I thought, you know, they had a top five draft to me, the Seahawks. I think they're they're really I think their roster is better than most people understand. I think yeah. they're they're a good team. I really do. Yep, they got Derek Hall from Auburn in round two. I was a big fan of that fit. They, I think they scored some value in you know uh, most. I ranges. like Bradford at uh, yeah at, the guard, well. athletic. Yeah. He's powerful. He's a he's yeah. a refrigerator in open space, man. He's and really... then Witherspoon and as you mentioned before, yeah. and, and and Jigba at the top. I mean, that's that's tremendous uh, yeah. at the top. Yeah, I like yeah. But team. if you're the seventh pick in a draft as a cornerback, how good do you have to be? That's pretty high pick to be. Fifth pick. I know. Fifth pick. I, yeah. fifth pick. Excuse me. I know we talk about linebackers being underrated and uh, running back being underrated. Corners are still evaluated pretty high, but at number your five, guy how Sauce often, Gardner, how often do baby, corners come off the board at number five. Your guy Sauce Gardner gave everybody excitement. So did but so did Patrick Sertan is a great player, and and J C Horn is really good. So the I interesting thing with those guys is Sauce and, and Pat Sertan had the size and athleticism that Devin yeah. Witherspoon lacks. That was kind of surprising to me. But Witherspoon is very instinctive in coverage, high energy athlete. He's a gnat. You know, he'll get in your grill. You know, I, I love the physicality, the production. I think you know I could see it. Right, it was a little early for me, but I think because I think you need the traits. Yeah. Right, you need to be like six two. You need to be very athletic. You need to be long, physical right but yeah i like a, gonzalez better i, yeah. I will so say I. that uh, maybe that's he, why i'm he quite fell a little bit mm -hmm. um, i think gonzalez is going to turn into a better player but as talented as he is man no one brings the the physicality that witherspoon has so i will say that okay and that plays well in seattle <laughs> uh ian good stuff appreciate it whenever you come aboard we'll certainly be touching base when the season starts again and we start asking about hey how about three weeks in? There's no question that two quarterbacks are the best in the draft. Right? Or where'd this other quarterback come? What? What's? Yeah, we'll get you back on again and uh, start picking your brain again. Thank you very much for doing it with us today. Yeah, thank Dan. you. Appreciate it. Check out his work at ProFootballNetwork.com. Ian Cummings here with us on Birds. You know, by the way, Jody, real quick, I know we got to hit the break because uh, Kyle Brandt did his uh, NFC and AFC quarterback tiers. Um, I thought he did a really good job in the NFC. Um, he had, because uh, you brought up Geno Smith, um, he he had him in tier three. So he separated them. Yeah, AFC, two. NFC. Yeah, uh, obviously the AFC is much better, but his NFC tier, Jalen Hurts was the only one in tier one, which I agree with. I think he did a really good job with it. Geno was in tier three, tier three. Which is still good in that conference. Who was in tier two? Tier two was uh, Dak, 
which should be uh, Stafford and and Cousins was tier two. Tier three was uh, Goff and Carr and Geno. Uh, yeah. And I agree out, with. Out of those rankings, I would say he's under ranking Goff. Goff had a damn good year. Yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with moving Goff up to. I said that before. He'd be in the conversation. To be honest, I think he's better than people think. I he think could, he, he might be, be the second, second best quarterback, quarterback in the NFC. I've yeah, been saying that for weeks. Uh, but he's got to do it a little bit more. I think he's got to prove it a little bit more. He had a you know bad ending in with the Rams, and I think that you know still carries over a little bit. But I think he's gotten a lot better. I I I think he might be at the end of the year. I think he might be the second best quarterback in the NFC. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem putting him right there right now off the year that he had last year. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. It's the Mac and Mac Bird 365 guys. We got plenty yet to do, including talking to our buddy Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad. A little bit of different look at the Eagles. Uh love the By the way, Kincaid's fight. slumming. I, I I looked at Crossing Broad yesterday. He's talking to Josh Shapiro. He's talking to the governor of Pennsylvania. He's slumming coming on with us. Well, then we we won't we won't point out the fact that he's slumming because we'd like to have him on the show did. again I down the road, did. John. Yeah, kind of keep that one under. Well, your head I'm, I'm just talking about the, the the governor. That's a good get. That's a good get. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, more top power. You want to ask him about the governor? You go ahead and ask him about the governor. He's John McBall, and I'm Jody McDonald. You got Birds 365 on. Stay with us.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. of the National Football League went with the Eagles on the top, and that's where they finished up in the NFC last year. Despite the fact, Johnny Mack, that some of the San Francisco 49ers continue to say that they were the best team in the National Football League. Had not uh, Brock Purdy gotten hurt that the 49ers would have come in here and beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, that wasn't happening. Yeah, Debo Samuel, the latest one. He'd done it before, and he did it on a podcast again yesterday. Yeah, we're playing with 10 men. Well, it's kind of your organization's fault that Josh Johnson's got to go in and play quarterback when Debo Samuel goes down. Nobody held a gun to your head and said he must be the the, the biggest journeyman in the history of the National Football League. It's got to be your backup quarterback in the NFC Championship, Debo. They don't, don't tell the rest of the world. Ask your general manager why that was the case. I, I don't get it, John. Why some of the players and, and fans, too, can't just handle the way that they describe what happened in the NFC Championship game correctly. If the quarterback doesn't hurt himself and he stays in, I absolutely believe it's a closer game. Oh, yeah. Do I think the 49ers win? I don't know. 
No, I'm like, no way. And, 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 <laughs> no way. To say you what? know that if Brock Purdy were out, that you're going to win the game. You don't know that. Why you were an underdog in the game? Come on. Yeah. I mean, just- I, I, I'm the one who picked the 49ers the entire season to go to the Super Bowl. And I, if you remember, I shifted before that game largely because, and you're a bigger Brock Purdy guy than me, largely because I've seen, I've seen experienced quarterbacks melt in that environment in, in big situations when the Eagles have good teams. And I just thought that was going to happen. Now, ultimately, we'll never know if that was going to happen. But I will say on the play he got hurt on, that's a front side rush, and he had no idea it was coming. So, you know, even that little indication gave me, uh, you know, this ain't going to work out well. And that was before I knew he got hurt. It was hurt that badly. I Yeah, the Eagles were going to win that game. Would it have been closer? Yeah, of course it would have been closer. And uh, on the other hand, yeah, they had some bad luck. I mean – you could say the general manager, they're down to their fourth quarterback, Jody. I mean, they had some bad luck injury-wise, but that's part of it. And the Eagles had good luck, and Howie Roseman acknowledges that injury-wise. Attrition's the part of the NFL. Did they have a bad break in a big spot? Of course. But, yeah, they weren't going to win the game. I, I will say, you know, you know, Debo – said he doesn't like Eagles fans, number one now, or the Eagles because of the fans and because of the players talking trash. The players, I mean, come on. Yes. Can the fans get on people? Yes. I know it. I mean, they're, they're passionate here. So I get from that standpoint, they don't like, nobody likes playing here. That's part of the problem. Nobody wants to come here because the fans are so passionate. And yeah, you're going to have a tough day. Um. Yeah, just get over it. And here's here's my answer to that. Oh my God, Philadelphia Eagle fans, obnoxious. Get any case? Blah, blah. Well, then just go out and win the most games. Guarantee exactly. yourself home field advantage exactly. throughout the playoffs. And then guess what? You don't have to come here to Philadelphia for a playoff game. Go ahead and now do the Eagles during the regular season and get the game in your house. And then you get your fans giving Eagle players a hard time. So, again, let's deal in reality here rather than supposition. Yeah, or they had every chance, and even going into the last week where the Eagles had to bring Jalen Hurts back from an injury, I think they would have preferred to keep Jalen out another week leading into the playoffs. But the 49ers got within a game, and the Eagles said, all right, we got to stop this stuff. We got to make sure we lock up all the field advantage. They did, so Debo suck it up, and you're going to have to deal with Eagles fans. And, you know, I have no problem with – a player having confidence in his team, I have, I have no problem. You should. You should think you're going to win the game. Uh, but you weren't going to win the game. <laughs> you know, um, and, and and part of it is, yeah, part of it's injury-related and, and bad luck, but that's part of the game. And, again, that's a front-side rush. You know, if Jimmy Garoppolo's there, he probably gets rid of the ball or he, or he falls down or he protects himself. Uh, and 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 but he's already hurt so you know that's part of the game it, it is what it is oh well, but D- Debo was just trying to make a play and if you got if you got a problem John with a quarterback trying to make a play gotta take a peek at the Eagle quarterback because he tries to make a play on every single yeah, but he protects him a quarterback that wants to be able to make a play not a guy who's gonna drop or or no, I know you like Brock Purdy I'm just saying in that moment, I said, this is not going to work out well. 
for the boy. And that was before I knew he was injured because uh, you got to have better pocket awareness, especially when a son Reddick is coming from your front side. And, and, and he's a young quarterback, you know, maybe he'll gain that in the years. He, he definitely will. The more he plays, the better he'll get, the, the better he'll feel situations like that. It's just a relation of a young player not having that presence that maybe a veteran player would, and it cost him, you know, greatly because he had to have UCL surgery. But and it was a clean hit. Everything about it was clean from Hassan Reddick's perspective. But yeah, that you know, at that in that moment, and I thought he was coming back in the game. Uh, I said, "Ooh, this is not going to work out well for the 49ers in this game." All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll chalk that one up to luck. You just said that there's luck involved, and the, the Eagles even admit that they got a little lucky with injuries last year. I think that was just bad luck on the 49ers' part. But to go to the links of we would have won the game if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten hurt, that's just ridiculous from Debo Samuel, several other 49ers, and 49er fans. Come on. You would have been more competitive. You don't By the way, that's an insult to Josh Johnson as well. We were playing with 10 people. I mean, there's a guy who's played a thousand years in this league. He's a four-string quarterback, and you're throwing him under the bus. That's the worst perspective for me. If you're a 49ers fan, Josh Johnson's just trying to, you know, you're not supposed to be out there. It's not even supposed to be on the team. But Trey Lance got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Brock, Bur- Brock Purdy got hurt, and you're crapping on that guy who's on who's your teammate. That to me would be the bigger issue. If I were a San Francisco fan or a San Francisco uh, person, you know, why are you doing that? You're crapping on him. You're not crapping on the Eagles. You're crapping on on, on poor Josh Johnson. Uh, That's I'd how I would say I'd it. say both. I think he's crapping on the Eagles too, but you're right. He is, he's directly throwing Josh Johnson under the bus. Um, but there's a reason why Josh Johnson has been on uh, – 14 different teams, a couple of them a couple different times, but release, brought back, release, brought back. You give him credit for stick to but Josh Johnson should not be playing in an NFL championship. Well, I there. agree with you, Jody, but how many how many teams are down to their four? How many times can you go back in your memory? You've been watching this game for a long time. How many, how many times can you remember a team in the NFC championship game having to go to their fourth quarterback? It was amazing. Yes. That was the whole story. Of, of the 49ers run that they were doing it with a third string quarterback. And that was amazing to do it with a four string court. I mean, it just doesn't happen. That's, you know, and that part of it is all right. You know, you had a, you had some bad luck, move on. Right. That's it, what I here's the reason why I would uh, continue to question general manager, of the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance got hurt when? Very early. September. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt when? But who? Uh, all right, I know where you're going. But who are you picking up? In John season? McMullen could be better than Josh Johnson. Do no, I have to crap on Josh Johnson too? All right, I'll do so. Josh Johnson stinks. He shouldn't no, be in the couldn't. National Football League. Well, I get what you're saying, but you say Ian Book stinks, right? He's the third string quarterback in Philadelphia. Ian on Book one of the is more legit roster. than Josh Johnson. It, again, though, but you constantly say he stinks. My point is, most third-string quarterbacks stink. They they do. I mean, most third-string quarterbacks are not are, are are not put together to play 
an NFL game at a high level. That's why the 49ers run was so amazing to begin with. Most backup quarterbacks, there's probably five good backup quarterbacks where you feel somewhat comfortable that they're not going to completely crap the bed for you if you have to go to them. Maybe if you want to really bend over backwards, you can get that number to 10, but you're certainly not getting it to 32. And then you're talking about 32 more third-string quarterbacks and you're into a fourth-string quarterback? I can't kill John Lynch for that. I mean, at that point, you're you're picking up the rock and saying, what the hell? What? what and you're just hoping he doesn't have to play and he had to play. Yeah, I'm... I'm... And I do not have the answer to this, but I'm pretty damn sure that there was a quarterback on the street that was better than Josh Johnson. And you had seven weeks to find him from the time that Brock Purdy took over. You knew that Garoppolo was done. You knew that Lance was done. I understand. If they'd all gotten hurt at once, then you're screwed. All right, yeah, boom, 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 three weeks in a row. Lance was out from September. Jimmy G was out from late October. You had that time to find yourself a better backup quarterback because, yes, he's the fourth-string quarterback, but as of right now, he's the backup quarterback. And the backup quarterback has to be a guy you can legitimately put in the game. Drop-off from your starting quarterback, of course. As you just pointed out, there's always a drop-off between starter and backup in the National Football League. You, It's the Grand Canyon when you're getting a Josh Johnson, and I think – you got to be able, if you're, you got to prioritize that. If you're a general manager, you got to well, prioritize. I, I, I'll say this then. If it's so easy, why does Josh Johnson exist? I mean, this guy is 36 years old. He's had a, I don't know, 15, 16 year NFL career. Uh, people keep going to him in desperate situations. I, 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 I mean, he's been uh, he's been around forever, uh, it, it, you know, mainly not playing, obviously, yes. as a third string, uh, third string quarterback. But I mean, he's been around forever. I mean, why? why if it's so easy, why does Josh Johnson keep getting jobs all over the NFL? Was was Flacco on a roster by the end of the year or was he on the street? I don't know. I'd take a Joe Flacco, who has at least done it in a big spot. Josh Johnson has never done it in any spot, and he sure as hell has never done it in a big spot. Give me a guy who's at least done it, even though he's going to have to annex his memory all the way back to be able to remember when he did it. Yeah, he actually did it. I I would rather have Well, I mean, does he want to play? Does, does... You know, I'd rather have Drew Brees. I heard they called Drew Brees at one point. I mean, does Drew Brees want to come back? I, I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, I'd rather have somebody 100 years old, you know, this year. By the way, Tom Brady's talking about Nick's in the box deal. What's your first thought there? He's coming back somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'd rather have – but I, I, these guys – I'll know, give you I'll give you a guy who I would have called, and I'll give you someone else who would have agreed Phillip with Rivers. me on the call. Philip Rivers, exactly right. But he doesn't and- want to play. He doesn't want to play. Philip Rivers got a call from somebody. I don't remember who. Um, he doesn't want to play. Drew Brees has gotten numerous calls. He doesn't want to play. I mean, you know, they're done. They're done. Yeah. 
Uh, I uh, I remember reading the Philip Rivers story. I didn't think it was so much Rivers. I thought it was Rivers reaching out to the team than more than the team reaching out to Rivers. And remember the well, situation. I'd have to, I'd, I'd, the, I'd have the to call look up comes the story. in late December. It's the 49ers who are one of the best teams in the National Football League and have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl. If they call and say, listen, we got two regular season games left and then as many playoffs, you only have to be away from your family. For no, here's what you're missing, Jody. They're not coming in to brought back up Brock Purdy. Yeah, if they're in that position and, and the 49ers are, they might come in and play to ring shop. You think Phillip Rivers or Drew Brees is coming in to back up Brock Purdy to get a Super Bowl ring? I well, mean, Drew, if they have Drew to Brees, play, no, because he got one. Phillip Rivers, if maybe. They, if, if they have to, if they get to play, I, I mean, that's a that's at least make the phone call, and they might consider it. it obviously, you can't do that at halftime at Lincoln Financial. Hey, Philip, are you Billy? Come on over and strap up. And by the way, probably would have done a better job. However, he's not coming into probably would have done a better that job than Josh Johnson. Really? You're going to go there? Probably going to do a better job. We did see what Josh Johnson did, right? I said off the street at halftime at Lincoln Financial Field. Obviously, if he had preparation. Yeah, he's not coming in, Jody, to back up Brock Purdy. He's not coming in to back up Brock Purdy. I mean, come on. Be realistic. That's all I'm asking. Uh, John. I'm being as realistic as possible. Three weeks to go in the season. 49ers have won four or five games in a row. You pick up the phone if you're John Lynch. You call Phillip Rivers and say, listen, Brock's doing what we're asking him to do, and we're going to ride him, but he's one good shot away from being out of the game. We got a couple of weeks to get you up to speed before the playoffs. Do you want to come do that? Phillip Rivers says no, that he's having a nice life with the rest of his kids. If I'm Phillip Rivers, the answer is yes. And I and I get my hat and I get my clipboard and I stand there and I just I know what I am. I'm the safety net. And yeah, for a guy who would like to be able to add that one last piece to his potential Hall of Fame pie off the bench leads the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you bet your ass I would say yes. Borderline. Right, you don't believe it? That's fine. John and I disagree. Yeah. Quickie timeout, come back. Kevin Kincaid from Boston Board's gonna join us here on Birds 365. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. 
Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And, uh, uh, again, just another... Shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Kevin K. Pinkade from Crossing Broad here to join us for our final segment of the week. Uh, KK, Johnny Mac wants to talk about the governor because he was impressed that you had a governor. Yeah, that's a good get. That is a good get, man. I'm impressed by that. It is a good get. Well, I mean, he's a a local guy and he's a diehard Philly sports fan. So um, I guess it's not that far-fetched. It is funny when I'm sitting there in my... uh, office though and i go drop my kids off and then i'm sitting here thinking uh, uh just you know just waiting for the governor to pop on here you know not yeah, not, your, not your t- not your you got t- us <laughs> that, that's a big drop yeah. in one day <laughs> yeah now i'm with uh jody and john on birds yeah. uh, so i I'll, I'll put the governor aside if john's got a follow-up he'll ask instead i'll ask you about 50 yeah. hot takes now that's yeah. I mean, yeah. what was I more impressed with yesterday on your website? Yeah, your fifty hot takes over the governor, but that's just <laughs> me. Maybe I'm a little different. How often do you do them? Well, this one was the first one I had done in a long time because uh, you know, like I wrote at the top, I just I, I was running out of ideas. I, cu- I couldn't think of any more any more hot takes. <laughs> because- <laughs> Sorry, there's only so many. I know because I, I did. Uh, I think I've done like eight or nine of them so far. So, um, you know, it, what's eight times 50, 400, eight times nine, four fifty. I, I don't know. I'm just running out of hot takes. I don't have much to, uh, to say anymore. So I needed to let it, uh, let it breathe for like a year maybe and let, let some uh, new content. Was it, was it actually a year? It doesn't seem like a year to me. I think it was actually. Yeah. I had like a, uh, my wife was joking around. She's like, instead of doing 50 hot takes, you should do like a joke story that's just 50 lukewarm takes that are like really obvious, <laughs> like like just really stupid kind of stuff, you know. So, so I actually started working on that, and then I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I can, maybe I can get back to uh, to 50 here. But yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's so, so much. she said it was almost a year. Yeah. Do you keep a list? Do you like, oh, there's a hot take, and write it down. Know that you're not going to be doing because it's number four. Yeah, because you don't want to duplicate. 46 more to find before you get the 50. Do you yeah. compile them or do you just sit down? Damn it, I got to do a hot take uh, column and then you have to come up with 50. No, I have. So 
you know, like uh, I have this thing on my phone that I put on the top of my phone. That's like a yellow sticky pad looking thing. And, um, you know, like when you get an idea for something, you just jot it down. You know, if you're not in front of a computer, if you're like out with your kids or something and an idea comes to you, you say, oh, yeah, we could that might turn into something. So you put it on the yellow thing on your phone. And then when I get back in front of a computer, you know, I have like different drafts of stories that are just sort of sitting there. Uh, on the back end of the website. So then I'll go in and, and transfer this stuff from my phone to the computer. And then it's like, oh, there's three bullet points that I just came up with there. And then we kind of put it together slowly. You know, when the idea comes to your head, you just jot it down and then you get it on the computer and you look up one of these days. You're like, oh, I'm at like 40 here, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, you kind of piece it together that way and do it, do it bit by bit. Yeah. How much crap do you get uh, for certain hot takes? Uh, obviously Eagles related. <laughs> you and I are are yeah. one of the few that have, uh, played down this Jonathan Gannon. I shouldn't say that. People who know, know. But it, yeah. it, it's not even that big of a story. But, you know, people want the scapegoat. So that one. Plus, I loved your Jalen Hurts one. I, I, I assume you got some pushback on that. The Jalen yeah. Hurts pick was still a bad pick at the time. You had to put at the time in capital letters, which yeah. I agree with. At the time, people kind of forget, you know, as it works out, there were some bad moments that had to get to that point where it worked yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was a nonlinear path, uh, you know, from, from Carson Wentz to Jalen hurts. And I think that was kind of a response to, you know, people wanting to come back and do the, the, the tag, the freezing cold takes guy. Uh, when we all went on Twitter, you know, two or three years ago or whatever it yeah. was and said, Hey, why are they drafting a quarterback in the second round here? But, you know, under the context of, 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 of that time, you know, we, we had thought, that Carson Wentz had finally played his way out of Nick Foles' shadow. And, uh, you know, he's you just paid him, right? He's the quarterback of the yeah. future. Hey, let's give him some weapons. Hey, what the hell are we taking a quarterback in the, in the second round for? So, it, and it wasn't, and to, to specify too, you know, back then, you guys remember, it wasn't like an anti-Jalen Hurts thing. I think everybody no, was in no. agreement that he was a great player. I think they were they were anti-second round quarterback based on the circumstances of that time. So, So I think it's funny because a lot of the people who are doing the Howie Roseman tweets now are probably the same people calling for his firing oh, yeah. I, yeah so i called jody knows i called howie top five gm like three years ago and i got killed I yeah mean, i got destroyed yeah, yeah. kevin cooney yeah. destroyed me you remember that from crossing broad oh uh, yeah yeah well no yeah, and it was it was funny too because i just think that uh so when you come out on the back end of it i mean it worked out for the eagles right but uh, you know yeah. Howie had to dig himself out of a hole right oh yeah Oh, yeah. and, and who the hole did not just miraculously created the hole. Yeah. They had to dig the hole in the first place. So yeah, yeah that's all I was trying to remind people of there. You know? yeah. right, but let me let me because uh, I know John and I disagree on this, and it sounds like you and I are going to disagree as, on this as well, Kevin. You have you have a take, oh Mister Fifty Hot Takes. You have a stance. You have a position. You have an opinion at a given time in a given situation. A year later, two years later, three years later. It proves that your take didn't play itself out the way that you thought it would at the time. Yeah. Then you got to say, well, I was wrong because the results dictate whether you're right or wrong. Not, well, yeah, but at that time I was right. But you've been proven wrong. We've moved forward in history and certain things have happened. I believe that the results outweigh the positioning of the take at the time. Do you or yes or no? 
Well, I mean, I guess you would have to go back and try to get into Howie's mind and think of what the intent was with that pick. You know, did they honestly think that Jalen was just going to be a backup to Carson for for a year or two, or did they have it in their mind? Like, did they know that Carson's not going to be the guy and we got to have a, a plan B here? And, you know, did they have thoughts when they drafted him that Jalen Hurts could be a franchise quarterback at some point in the, fortune, in the future? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I think it's just like – it's just kind of asking people to look at the context surrounding yeah. – that yeah, pick, exactly. you know, because well, I, don't, I, don't I, I mean, the Eagles were kind of above board. Remember that that was the COVID times, and I remember, yeah, when yeah. they drafted him, Doug was talking about this weird. You can have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. <laughs> this weird manufactured yeah, yeah, touched up yeah. for for Jalen Hurts. What it was about is finding a cost effective backup to Carson Wentz because Carson yeah. wasn't able to finish three seasons in a row had the significant injury history. Yeah. yeah. The Eagles didn't know the Eagles were looking for a quarterback last year, Kevin. They were looking for a quarterback last year at, at, yeah. at, at this time. Well, you that's know, why it was Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson. Well, that's why, yeah, to Jody's point, the question he asked, I, you know, I just, I, I would respond by saying, hey, did Howie have some master plan here? Or did he stumble backwards into this? You know what I mean? That That's all you're yeah. really asking yourself here because, I think people were doing this revisionist history kind of thing where they were like, well, I have to hold the L and I have to apologize to Howie because I was wrong and Jalen Hurts ended up being a franchise quarterback. Did Howie even know that Jalen Hurts is going to be a franchise quarterback at that point? I don't know if he, I don't know if he did. And I'm the know. guy who thinks Howie's great. And absolutely he did not know. Yeah. But I like Here's the fact my... that you you um explained it. They had to fire a Super Bowl winning coach. They had to endure a four-win season. They had to trade the quarterback they gave the huge contract to. Largest dead cap hit in NFL history. It wasn't all peaches and creams, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah, and that's just that's just the thing. You know, it's it's um they I guess you could summarize it by saying they ended up taking one step back to take two steps forward. Um, I don't know if they knew at the time where the forward steps would lead them, but it worked out. And you give Howie a lot of credit for recognizing that and and, um, you know, again, to use the whole analogy, right, digging himself out of that. But, yeah, again, it was not some some clean path from from point A to point B. Right. I mean, Doug had to go. They had the four win season. We had, uh, you know, that the tanking game versus Washington at the end there. I mean, it was it, it was really rocky for for uh, for a little while. And, um, you know, they just they got lucky. I think that Jalen ended up being as good um, as he as he was. And I mean, to be quite honest, I don't I don't remember anybody two years ago saying like Jalen Hurts is the next MVP candidate. I, I, I just don't think anybody. Yeah, I, I dare somebody around. to find that one in print. Yeah, that if you can dig happen. that up, yeah, let me see that. Let me yeah, see that. Please, if you can dig that up for me. Uh, but here's where I'll the, to use the phrase you use: take the L. Um, yeah, you got to take an L if you were at the time. The Eagles are wasting a second-round pick. What mm. the hell are they doing? Take a quarter. If you were as strong as your take and your opinion is, what the hell are they doing? Well, then yeah, you got to take an L. If you if you wanted to take a W for second guessing it at the time, you got to take an L after the fact. If you were going, I don't know that I would have used a second-round pick on a quarterback, and you were lukewarm in your take, and you get yourself some wiggle room, then yeah, yeah. you don't have to wear brandish the big L on your chest. It yeah. all comes down to how strong your take was at the time that it happened. 
Well, and whenever you do revisionist draft history, it's like, you know, we're asking ourselves unanswerable questions like how much of a difference would drafting Logan Wilson have made then or drafting Jeremy Chin? I mean, does that 2020 or Eagles team turn out differently if you get a second round linebacker or a second round safety? And the thing that I was offended about more than anybody, because you you guys know I probably watch more college than than most Philly media and you know I got to watch Jalen at Oklahoma and I watched him at Alabama a lot and like when they put him in that first year and they were running these gadgety like Taysom Hill BS plays I was just like like it was like it was almost offensive because I'm like this is that's like not the guy that I watched it at Oklahoma and Alabama and I'm like surely they did not just draft draft this guy to throw him in to run like wild like a four play wild 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 package you know that was the thing that bothered me probably more than anything because I thought at the time I'm like this guy deserves to go somewhere where he's going to get a chance to play like real snaps, yeah. not tragedy BS. And that's know? the thing, it, you know, I go back to 99 all the time. And I say, what, what if Tim couch ended up with Andy Reed or Achilles Smith <laughs> and, and Donovan McNabb had to go yeah. to one of those crappy situations. Yeah. You know, the assumption is like Justin Jefferson, more recent versus Jalen Rager. The assumption is, if Justin Jefferson was here, he'd do the exact same things there. Well, he had a yeah. high volume thrower there. The guy throws for 4,000 yards all the time. The Eagles didn't have that at the time. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be a good player, but it's not going to be the same. And yeah, you bring up Logan Wilson. Fit means everything in this league. Everything. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles have done a good job with Jalen Hurts, but Jalen deserves a ton of credit. Um, there are certain that Justin Fields in Chicago. Jody and I both like the player. I hate the situation for that kid. I I think he's in a bad situation with a defensive-minded head coach, uh, a bad offensive coordinator kind of coasted on Aaron Rodgers. I feel bad for the kid. Well, my favorite – yeah, my favorite uh, draft, revisionist draft history, hot take story is uh, <laughs> goes back like more than 10 years now, but I, I guess it was 2010 or 2012. Was that the Brandon Graham, Earl Thomas draft? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jason Pierre Paul throw him in as well. JPP. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for years, the Eagles complained about like, man, we should have got uh, Earl Thomas there. Then, you know, I look back in 2017, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, you know, at the end of the day, both of these guys ended up winning Super Bowls ended up being, you know, studs at their, at their peak, you know? And so it was just silly to think that we argued about that for, for as yeah. long as we did when at the end of the day, but both, both guys ended up, ended up with a ring and, you know, ended up being key, key, you know, pieces on those teams. So it's just, it's, I think the thing with Jalen though, is just like reemphasizing like the context around it. Like, no, I can't say it enough that like, I don't think anybody was anti Jalen hurts. Right. No. It was anti quarterback. Well, I, I would say from my perspective as somebody who, who, I, I say all the time, and Jody will know this, typically, and why I give the Eagles a lot of respect, typically I think they make good decisions. They make every – most every decision they make makes sense to me. That pick did not make sense to me. I yeah. didn't say he was a bad player. I didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not the hot take guy. It didn't. It didn't make sense to me, and that's – that's not typical of the Eagles. So that was sort of my spin on it. Yeah, and saying that it doesn't make sense doesn't doesn't mean you're anti. Right again, it doesn't mean you're anti Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, you know the thing about. By the way, can we just say real quickly? You talked about decision making with the Eagles. You talk about Jalen Carter. Um, I love the situation for him here because 
I, I don't like when you talk about guys with character issues or off field transgressions or, you know, problematic stuff that you may be worried about. Like the Eagles really do not have a lot of those situations. Or they really have not probably since Riley Cooper and Michael Vick, if you wanted to go back that far. But, you know, seriously, like honest question for both of you guys. What, what is the most concerning or biggest or um, most memorable off-field incident or character issue that any Philadelphia Eagles player has had going back 10 years now? And don't say Josh Sills because he played four special team snaps and he wasn't even yeah. – he was barely yeah. a player. Yeah. Like what is, what is the biggest transgression <clears throat> you can think of? I would say uh, Deshaun Watson with his anti-Semitic stance. That's what it is. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Deshaun Jackson with the, Far- with the Farrakhan stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, you had a couple. Josh Hopp with the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, which evidently picked up at the CBS because he didn't have it at the Novacare complex. Um, <laughs> uh, the strip club incident, if you remember that. Bunch the of guys, uh, yeah, mini yeah. camp ended and, yeah. and they, they all went to the strip club. <laughs> yeah. I was, well, I was thinking too, you know, Nigel Bradham had the one game. Nigel done. Yeah. That was right. a great Jim Schwartz uh, quote. Yeah, that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was a crossing yeah. broad headline, I think, for, for that yeah. time. But I think the point I'm trying to make, too, is they, they don't like the Eagles do their due diligence on these guys. And, you know, I had said before, I was like, you know, if they draft Jalen Carter, like I would feel comfortable with it because I, I think they take these things seriously. You know, this is not like Jerry Jones when he's like, oh, there's a you know, this guy hit his wife three times. It's not a big deal. Let's bring him in. Like they don't brush off stuff like that. You know, they do yeah. their work behind the scenes. They look into these guys. They're bringing them into a good culture strong locker room he's got four of his georgia teammates there with him like quite frankly there couldn't be a better situation for this guy so if he gets in trouble or does something stupid he's the only one to blame all right i'll I'll, I'll play uh, i'll play devil's advocate here uh and i'm not saying i necessarily believe this 100 but i think it's legit you've got brandon graham you got fletcher cox his teammates are his teammates the guys that he knows in georgia i think that could cut either way either they could kind of form a clique which might not be great or they'll keep all of them will keep each other in line. I'm not sure which way this is going to go, so I'll, I'll lean optimistically. But Brandon yeah. Graham and Fletcher Cox are going to oversee this young man, mentor this young man, and keep him on the straight and narrow. They yeah, yeah. No. Got, they both could be gone in nine months. If yeah. neither Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham are back, this is year two for a kid who might have some issues. All of a sudden, you don't have that veteran guy on the line one of his teammates, one of the guys he goes to war with, is that a potential downfall? Listen, I trust Dom DeSandro. You know, I think he's going to have Jalen Carter wearing uh, track suits <laughs> by, before the end of the year. You know, they did the re- research on this on this guy. I just, again, I think like, I don't think the Eagles get enough credit for for running <laughs> like a relatively clean and um, like, like honest program, like a respectable program. You know, I, I mean, we make these, like the Browns go for Deshaun Watson, they make the jo- the jokes about Jerry Jones bringing criminals in and whatnot. And like, look, you sign a guy, you draft a guy, and he has like a Josh Huff kind of thing. Look, that stuff happens. I mean, they, but they don't like consciously go after guys who have like huge things like hanging over their head. You know, yeah. um, the, the Michael they would have went after Deshaun. They, they well, I, I guess, I guess, yeah. but you know, maybe you know, I, I don't I, think they would have gave him that contract though. So no. But, By the way, can I just say real quick, I think it's funny because the people in the comments say that I look like Aaron Rodgers and I'm getting a lot of Aaron Rodgers uh, comments. Do I really do I really look like Aaron Rodgers? A little much? bit. 
It's not okay. a bad thing. Just the, the beard, the beard gives yeah. you a little bit of a Rogers yeah. look. Okay, all right. You got right. some I ayahuasca in the background there. So you I know. wish I could go like live in a dark hole for three months and yeah. not have to work, but uh, uh, emerge from the darkness to do births. Uh, three sixty-five. Yeah, oh, do you know oh, how many, by the way. Yeah, do you know how many notes I would be able to put on my phone after three months in the uh, in the the void? in the darkness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I forgot a West Virginia guy, Daryl Worley, who got in trouble, but they oh, caught yeah. him right away. Well, they he wasn't. Him, yeah, right. I mean, was he even on the team at that point? I guess that was. Yeah, he was on the team. They traded. Oh, okay. uh, they traded Tory Smith for him. He oh, was on did, the team, right. and then he had the incident right in front of the Novacare. Well, the Michael Kendricks thing, the insider trading thing, nobody yeah. knew about yeah. until after, nobody he, after he left. And yeah. Lane Johnson had the PED stuff. But again, it wasn't – I guess the point I was trying to make is like the only – like like Michael Vick was like in a league of its own, right? Here's a guy who's really yeah. controversial, has known issues. He did go to jail, and like that generated a lot of discussion in the fan base. But I don't, I don't think they're – I just look at them differently in terms of – of that kind of stuff. They've always been kind of sensitive to, uh, you know, issues that are meaningful to the players. They don't really target these guys who are, who are, we think are, are bad apples. So I don't know. I think your point is right. And I think <laughs> Eagles are really good at it, but if that's the case and you believe they took the player because they believe they're really good at it. If this guy gets in another car accident, speeding down South yeah. street or wherever else, how much responsibility the Eagles have to take? They of do. Course, have to take most of it is on yeah. the, the individual makes the sure. decision to get in the car and go hundred miles an hour, 110, 20, whatever. But the Eagles have kind of acknowledged that we're taking this responsibility on. We believe that we've got the people in place and the culture and the locker room and everything else. If this kid acts up again, it's in part on the Eagles. Is it not? Yeah, for sure. It would be the responsibility. I mean, it would be an indictment on the the things that we just credited them for, because if you believe that the culture is that good and if you believe that their their research and their work and their due diligence is that good, then, yeah, if one falls through the cracks like that, it does reflect poorly on them. That's that's something that they have to accept when they when they make a decision like this. But, uh, you know, you just trust that they they've uh, you know made the right decision here and that that culture can kind of rub off on on Jalen Carter and, uh, you know, fingers crossed that nothing nothing happens there. All right, Kevin, I need you to take some of the heat off of me. Um, mm -hmm. One of your uh, hot takes, the way Gannon left is barely even a story. Mm -hmm. um, your thoughts on the most hated uh, defensive coordinator in the history of Philadelphia? Yeah. Look, I mean, Shane Steichen left in the same way, did he not? So, yes. um, And this happens all the time. So I just don't really see – I think what happened here is that people were just understandably, like, mad about the Super Bowl and Gannon um, for not talking to the media afterwards and, you know, seemingly es escaping to Arizona and, you know, they wanted some answers and some accountability from him. I get that. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would agree with that. I think he probably should have addressed it more than he did. But, um, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. This happens every year, right? You know, and I think you were the – I think it was your tweet, John, where you were saying it was a – they got caught on the technicality with yeah, the first, yeah. in first interview, second interview kind of yeah. thing. So um, again, I just think, I think he's been the focal point for the lot for a lot of the ire uh, coming out of that game. And that's fine. I mean, he did not have a good Super Bowl. I'm not going to yeah. dispute that, but I, I miss the days where we just said he's a shitty defensive coordinator, which is fine. <laughs> that part's fine. I know, the, the, I know. the other stuff that he didn't want to win the Super Bowl, that he yeah. wasn't invested. He didn't prepare. 
No, I mean, that's, that's, that's totally nonsense. I, I, I am 100 million percent sure that they did not lose the Super Bowl because Gannon was too busy, you know, studying the Arizona Cardinals roster, right? I mean, that they, they <laughs> did the requisite prep. And I, I, why, why is this? Here's my question. Why is it so hard for people to just admit that they got beat by a generational head coach quarterback? Combination? That, yeah, I mean, does it, it have to be, does it have to be any more complicated than that? I mean, here's the thing. Super Bowl – 57 this was in the column too super bowl 57 was super bowl 52 without the strip sack yeah exactly make but, um, one defense johnny play. mack says that all the time yeah. one play one play one play yeah. they made one great, play in great super mind bowl. <laughs> jonathan gannon jonathan gannon's defense got cooked in super bowl 57 spags defense got cooked in super bowl 57 matt patricia's defense got cooked in super bowl 52 jim schwartz's defense got cooked in super bowl 52 Right. All four of those defenses struggled. The only difference was that Brandon Graham popped up and made a huge play at the most opportune time. And and nobody in that Super Bowl for the Eagles, nobody on the defensive side made a single play. So I I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not – and again, that's not to absolve Jonathan Gannon from responsibility here, but, you know, the players got all the credit throughout the year when they won. And then when they lose, the players are absolved of blame and Jonathan Gannon gets all the negativity. So we just got to be – I think CJ contributed to that with his tweet and delete Uh, his, you didn't put us in positions to make plays and then he quickly deleted it. But I don't know about you, Kevin, but I got a bunch of people complaining that into a bunch of players complaining. I heard one player complain. Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, CJ Garner Johnson had an amazing year uh, in the system and so did Hassan Reddick. Right. And uh, other guys as well. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, Jonathan Gannon's the greatest person of all time. I think you and I got pegged as like these Gannon apologists just because we were trying to, uh, like, t- talk back a little bit what we thought was overkill. Yeah. Like the criticism was warranted. I'm not going to say the dude's like the greatest thing of all time. I don't think that. But I just thought a lot of the stuff that he was getting was was overboard. So let's at least just try to like pull it closer back to the center and just like frame it and understand that this is what defense is in the NFL. There's a lot of zone. There's not a lot of blitzing teams. Uh, there's a lot of four-man rush of, you know, two safeties. I mean, that's just kind of like where where we are in the the zeitgeist of, of the moment. You know, and I think for Eagles fans who want Jim Johnson 2.0 or Buddy Ryan or Bud Carson 2.0, those guys just don't really ex- exist, at least in this current iteration of the NFL. I'm not, that's not to say it can't cycle back to that. Well, Wink Martindale, there's one. Wink. There's one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right, pretty good. A couple of things: tweet and delete. C.J. Johnson, he got deleted from the Eagles. Number two, and that's Hassan one Reddick, of the reasons why. By the way, Jody, uh, that's don't, one of the don't, reasons why. Don't doubt that. Yeah. Hassan Reddick, good enough to make that play against a, according to John, green quarterback Brock Purdy, and that's why Hassan was able to get there because Purdy didn't know how to get the hell out of the way. Uh, yeah, the Patrick Mahomes you talk about in the Super Bowl. That might be the reason why the defense didn't make. Also, the, the ice rink as well. The ice rink they were on. I think right. that was honestly. Oh, both teams were on the ice rink, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they're both playing on that same. But Hassan's rink. the speed rusher. I'm just talking specifically. Hassan's the speed rusher. Uh, that hurt him. It did hurt him. It's fair to yeah. say. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Both sides had to play on the field. Right. But it did hurt him. I just think here's my thing. This is a this is a rule that we made at CrossingBroad.com. We we have declared that nobody is allowed to use the word adjustments, unless unless <laughs> I love that unless Great you minds. Can, unless you can specifically talk about what adjustment what you adjustment, want them to make. Right. So you know I've had this conversation with a million people at this point, but on the the fake motion and the back door where they scored twice on that in the Super Bowl, everybody says, well they should have made adjustments. Okay, 
we just gotta up we just gotta up the level of discourse like one level right because they're rotating the safety down and they're replacing them with the nickel okay if you want them to play if you wanted them to play more press man in that second half if you wanted them to get up on the line of scrimmage you know throw a stunt or two in there that's specific stuff we can talk about um but we can't have like real discussions about jonathan gannon and the defense if we're just going to do surface level um you know, always got to adjust. Okay, well, what, what right. did you want to see them do? Well, and I'm going to ask you a surface question that I'm going to ask you to make adjustments on and explain those adjustments. Mm-hmm. The take of blitz, 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 blitz. That's why Jonathan Gannon wasn't going to. He doesn't blitz mm-hmm. enough in comparison to pr- previous iterations of defensive coordinators and defense mm-hmm. here in town. Another one that has only been going for my 30-plus years here in Philadelphia is run-pass ratio. You got to be able to run the football. You can't run the football. You can't just drop back and pass on it. Even if the entire league is dropping back and passing that much more, not here in Philadelphia, <laughs> we're going to run the football. We're going to have balance. That's the way Eagle fans have looked at it for 30 plus years. Yeah. Who's going to yeah. run the football for the Eagles this year? Who's going to be their main guy? Not Belkow back. Although, you know, Miles Sanders was damn close. The 71% of the running back carries was Miles <laughs> Sanders. I don't think anybody gets 71%. But somebody's got to be on the top of the heap. And if that person isn't good enough, will Eagle fans be complaining about the lack of balance and run-pass ratio this year? Well, I would say this first. I think the most important runner on the Philadelphia Eagles is Jalen Hurts. Um, but I think you're hoping that DeAndre Swift can can be the, what do you want to call him, bell cow or, or something. But you know, again, it's like it's like a it's uh it's like a four headed monster here, really, if you think about it. You know, because they like they like to give, you know, ball carrying snaps to different guys. Jalen Hurts, I think, was one of the top at one point last year. He led the league in red zone rushing attempts, um, too. So I I, I think it's um I think it's got to be Hurts most important number one. Not saying he's going to get the most snaps. So then DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, if he can stay healthy from there. Kenneth Gainwell, I mean, it seems like they like him, John. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what his yeah. role is now, but behind those other two guys, but um, you know, I, I just, I wonder if Jalen Hurts takes a sort of Donovan McNabbish, McNabbish path here, where, you know, I mean, like in the early seasons with Donovan, he used his legs more and he ran more, and I wonder if they, I do wonder if they dial Jalen back a little bit and try to try to do some of that because that that the zone read and the RPO stuff and and the empty set runs from him, I mean, that's such a huge part of what they did last year, you know. Oh, that, that's, yeah. that's what I'm curious. That's what I'm most curious, I think. With that. I don't think Jalen wants it. Remember, Donovan was a big part of that. He wanted to prove to people that he could play he could a throw. certain style. Yep. Yeah. Jalen kind of wins. Nick has said constantly, we're, yeah. we're, he said most recently, we're not, we're not paying him more to do less. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. At mm-hmm. Kevin underscore Kincaid, make sure you follow him on Twitter at crossingbroad, crossingbroad.com, the grand poobah over there. Um, what the hell happened to our union, uh, uh, Kevin Kincaid? Oh, that, man. I mean, it's the best team in Philadelphia. What the hell happened? <laughs> they may have just hit their ceiling. You know, they they have, uh, you know, like the Flyers kept running into like the Oilers in the 80s, I guess, right? Uh, the union keep running into LAFC and they just can't can't get over that final hump. So, listen, if they've hit their ceiling um, – it's a pretty damn impressive ceiling, but they've got uh, got some big decisions to, to make in the summer with the transfer window coming up and uh, see if they can get back into position in the league. But, but yeah, that was a disappointing loss the other night. So we'll see. We'll see if they've peaked or not. Which is more volatile, the transfer window or the transfer portal? 
Oh, the transfer portal. I mean, uh, Gil told me that they have the uh, transfer portal for high school athletes now in New oh. Jersey. I didn't even oh. know that. Yeah, and I now they have, that. they've got NIL in Pennsylvania for high school athletes. So I, I wish I had this when I was at Boyertown 20 years ago, man. I could have uh, I could have transferred somewhere. Uh, yeah, somewhere I, I, I don't think Snickers was going to pay for you to. I, 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 I have to admit something. Uh, I'm a casual uh, soccer fan, but I do enjoy the game. Um, I can't figure out the damn transfer window. I, 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 I you know, I never sit down and try to pay, but it, it's too complicated. I, yeah. I that's well, one simple, of my problems. The simple explanation is that, like, when you want a guy from another team, you just pay them a ton of money, and uh, <laughs> that's like that's really <laughs> that's all the transfer window is. Really, you know, we're talking about like four hundred million dollars for uh, Lionel Messi to go to. Uh, to go to like Saudi Arabia. That's something. all. There's no there's no cap in European soccer, evidently. No, there's there is no salary cap. No, yeah. it's like baseball. Yeah. yeah. Smells like true free agency to me. God yeah. bless them. Get let yeah. them get every penny that they can. That's right. JK, good stuff. Always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate you hopping on board. We will get you on and uh before you know it, we'll be asking you to jump in again. Thanks, bud. Yeah, no problem. Have a good weekend, guys. All right. Kevin Kincaid crossing broad here with us on Birds 365. All right, got to come back, put a bow on the show, wrap this bad boy up. Johnny Mac heading down to the Novacare Complex uh, for a little Eagle rookie action. Come back and uh, wrap up Birds 365 next. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, got fake them Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. 
Welcome down to home stretch. Got another week, Karen Birch 365. Don't forget next week the all-important reveal of the NFL schedule. And there's some big games Eagles going to play this year. Uh, so uh, we'll have plenty of fun with that next week. You're heading over to the Novacare Complex. Get a little rookie uh, camp action in, tryouts, whatever. They got a bunch of newbies coming in. And as you told us earlier in the show, John, they don't do how liars, individual breakouts and working with coaches. And it's not uh, as, as organized as a practice usually is. So I will ask you, are the most important things that you can see at this practice today confirming the fact that Sean Desai is the actual defensive coordinator of Philadelphia? Yeah, confirming the fact that he's a person. I did get, get confirmation. We were joking. Uh, we got a a group text uh, with the Eagles and the reporters. And I was asking for confirmation if he's a real person. So they did confirm that. They uh, did confirm that. That's a good thing. Uh, but, you, you know, the most interesting to me, actually, you bring this up. I want to see if Matt Patricia's out. That there. was going to be my question number two. First is Sean Desai. Mm-hmm. I put him in that order because, yeah, he's kind of more important because he's actually going to be the defensive coordinator. Got to confirm that he is a living, breathing individual. But secondly, is Matt Patricia going to be there tonight? Yeah. Um, he's not on the website. Um, I think something might have happened uh, because, you know, this has been a while. This was – that was the pre-draft press conference when uh, Nick Sirianni said um, it was trending in trending. that direction. And that was a couple days – I forget the exact date, but, uh, you know, if you th- you would think trending, you would think the 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 eyes were dotted and the T's were crossed by this point. So, uh, if he's not there, he's going to get the question. I guarantee you that. Um, so, we 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 should get some clarification either way. Is Nick speaking after the yes. gathering today? Yes, he is. All yes, right. yeah that that will be a question for sure. If uh, Mister Patricia <clears throat> and. John, I know you don't need this, but for anyone else uh, from the press who are listening, whatever, no. Patricia will be guy the guy with the pencil behind his ear. In case you need to just be able to exactly say which one he is yeah. of the Eagle Coast. Maybe, maybe he shows up, maybe shows up clean shaven without the pencil trying to pull. Oh, that, that's basically going in disguise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You gotta be All right, careful. Uh, partner, have a good trip over to the Novacamp complex. Uh, I'm here on Monday. How about you? Yeah, let's do it, baby. Rookie well, camp to talk about. Plenty to talk about next week here on Birds 365, which will be in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.